key verse, as we said, is verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on their own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy, prom, uh, thy path. It's a promise that as believers we have held on to, and God has been faithful. That when we have um, cast our cares and, and uh, put our path before God, God does direct our path. He will do it. However, beloved, there are certain conditions that we have to follow for God to direct our path. In verse 1 to 4, we need to learn God's truth. In verses 5 to 8, obey God's will. In verse 9 to 10, share the blessings. In verse 11 to 12, submit to God's chastening. And verse 13 to 18, receive the blessings. Now, as you can see there, there are a lot of doing words on our part, isn't there? We need to learn, obey, share, and submit. And if we do that, God will direct our path. Now, let's look at learning, learning God's truth from verses 1 to 4. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, but bind them around thy neck. Write them on the tables of thine heart. So shalt thou find favour and good understanding in the sight of God and man. We are to learn God's truth. This is revealed in God's word. In God's word. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 10, it says, For... Um, for this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto please and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's no good. Uh, we need to have the knowledge of God and we need to know the will of God. And if we know that, we'll know what path to take. We'll also know, beloved, who we are. Who are you? Who are you? You are sinners, saved by grace, adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. What were you made for? What were you made for? To worship him and enjoy him for all eternity. And what is your role? beloved, until the Lord comes. What is your role? To proclaim the Lord's death and gospel until he comes. Pray and intercede for the lost. Pray for strength for the brethren. That is your role. Only by studying God's word will we know what we are to do. And God will direct our paths. Not only that, it will be a beautiful ornament around our neck. And it will be written on the tables of our hearts. It isn't enough to carry Bibles in our bags. Or to have them on the mantelpiece to look nice. We need to do what it says. Furthermore, it needs to be written on the tables of our hearts. In 2 Corinthians 3.1 it says, For as much as ye manifestly declare to the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. 
Obedience to the word can add years to your life and life to your years. The opening section of Proverbs 1 to 4 is of a father pleading with his son. He's almost got this, I have this image of a father holding his son's face saying, forget not. Forget not. How many times have we said to our children or grandchildren or children, do not forget. Four minutes later we forget. I'm sure you could go to my mum, she'll tell me many instances where I've just told me, do not forget your sandwiches. I walk out the door and forget my sandwiches, don't have anything to eat at school. Do not forget. Why? Why does uh, Solomon say this to his son? Do not forget, because we are prone to forget. The feasts in the Old Testament, what were they designed to do? To make sure Israel does not forget. They had to congregate in many times to remember the goodness of what God has done in their lives. It was there so they would not forget. Beloved, even the breaking of bread, what is that designed to do? Do this as often as you meet together in remembrance of me. Do not forget. We are prone to forget. The first thing he says is do not forget. Let your hearts keep my commands. Deciding not to forget God's word and obey God's commands. We have two choices. We can either obey or we can forget. We can either read God's word or we can digest and be doers of God's word. It was even prayed this, this morning. If we mentally, if we are amazing at scriptural recall and can win every single Bible quiz... Yet we don't do what God's word says. We can actively say we've forgotten what God says. We need it to be written on our hearts. We need to be doers of what what God says. In Matthew 22, 37, it says, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. What does Solomon say? My son, forget not my law, let thy heart keep my commandments. Both mind and heart rendered to God. Is your heart and your mind rendered to God? Has it been rendered to God this week? Has mine been rendered to God this week? And it is a struggle, isn't it, beloved? Weekly, daily, hourly. We even see it in the Psalms. Psalm 73, verse 25, regarding David. Who am I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and the portion forever. We can sense David's knowledge of his failures, but he's longing to follow God's commands and not forget. We need to be like that. Our Lord Jesus is the ultimate uh, 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 visual of obedience. He went to the cross. Heart and mind set on the task. Why, beloved? Because his heart and mind was set on you. His heart and mind was set on you. He was obedient unto death. Even if we think about the upper room, when the disciples were all there, 
And little did they realise when they sung the last hymn, which was probably one of the Passover hymns, probably Psalm 118, that they were singing of the salvation about to come, which Lord Jesus would fulfil. And if we follow after God, if we follow after his commands, it says, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. The benefits from a life and heart obedient and rendered to God is a life filled of, of blessings and long life. However, these are principles, beloved. They are godly principles. There are many brethren, uh, even in the word of God, who are completely sold out to Christ, yet died young. We could even think on the, on the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said he was going to go on a cruise. I wonder if how many of us would join him. He was shipwrecked many times, wasn't he? Bitten by snakes. This does not negate Proverbs. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the tables of thine heart. Solomon wisely told his son to keep mercy and love. Mercy, the great word of hesed and truth close. To be bound around thy neck and written on the tables of thy heart. Bound is kashan, the strongs, if you're taking notes, it's 7194. It means to lead together, to bind together, be knitted together. Remember in the Old Testament, the children of Israel was to bind the law, weren't they? On their hands, their foreheads, on their doorposts. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children, shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and shalt be in the frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. And we're no different, beloved. Mercy and truth. Mercy and truth are frequently joined together in scripture. Just mention a few if you're taking notes. Psalm 25.10, Psalm 57.3, Proverbs 16.6, Proverbs 20.28, Hosea 4.1. That's just a few. However, who is mercy and truth? Who is mercy and truth? Excellent. The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is mercy and truth. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck and write them on the table of thine heart. Let's compare this to Psalm 85, 9. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. The glory may dwell in the land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Our Lord Jesus. This morning, I encourage you, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, your Lord and Saviour, or if you're listening online, come home. Come to the Lord Jesus. Only in Jesus can we find true salvation. Only in him. For he is the, the um, I am the way, the truth and the life. The truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus is mercy and truth. Here, here we have the, the Father pleading with his Son, forget not. He's pleading, do not forget mercy and truth. 
Do not forget, bind it around your neck, son. Bind it on your heart. And may that also be a prayer for our children. May it be bound around their neck, may it be written on the heart, and may the praises of our God always be on their lips. And a prayer for us also. Mercy and truth to be bound. It's not only an outward sign to be bound around the necks, but it's an inward sign on the heart. New life in Christ. Be born again in Christ Jesus. You have, if you're born again, beloved, you have the deposit guarantee written on, within you. The Holy Spirit. The deposit guarantee stamped from the Lord God. Our God doesn't change. Even in the Old Testament in relation to Israel, in Ezekiel 36, 26-27, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone of your flesh and give, give you a heart of flesh. I will do it. God will do it. It's God's work. He is the physical embodiment of truth and mercy. And when we bind around our necks it needs to become part of our nature our problem is we have a sinful nature we we don't want god to write his commands on our hearts it needs to be god's work it's god's work to do it even in relation to israel in jeremiah it says this is the covenant i'll make with the house of israel after that time declares lord I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they my people. It is God's work, beloved. We just need to be obedient and empty vessels ready to be used for noble purposes. So shall that find favour and good understanding in the sight of God and man. When we do this, when people can see that we, our conduct is worthy of the gospel, people will approach us with issues. You may have experienced this at work or at school or amongst your friends. That When people have got problems, they will come to you. They will ask you questions. Why? Why? Because if we, do, if we follow God's commands, it's a magnet for them. We can see this even in scripture. Joseph. David, Moses, Daniel, Solomon. When we become more Christ-like, people will come to you and they want to know why certain things are happening. Beloved, we're even um, um, meant to spur the Jewish people into jealousy to want what we have. To want what we have. The Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Next, from verse 5 to 8, obey. We are to obey God's will. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. He shall direct our paths. It's based on obedience. We must trust him. We must trust him with all our heart and obey him. It means total commitment. In Romans 12, 1-2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living 
sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Holy. It was even prayed in the prayer this morning to be holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We are to be holy. Have I been a living sacrifice this week? Have you been a living sacrifice this week? The word uh, trust in verse 5 is patak. It's 982 if, in the Strongs, if, if you're taking notes. It means to lie helpless, face down. It's almost a picture of a servant face down, yielding before the master. Or a soldier yielding before his commander. The danger, of course, is we lean on our own understanding to do it our way. And this causes issues. We even see this in scripture when Abraham went down to Egypt in Genesis 12.10. When Joshua attacked the little town of Ai in Joshua 7. When we become wise in our own eyes, then we are heading for trouble. Trust in the Lord. Solomon is advising son to trust Yahweh, trust Jehovah, because he is faithful. Even in the scriptures, um, it, we're told that when the father to his son is meant to explain the scriptures and pass down the great things that God has done from son to son to son to son to son to son to son, son of the greatness as he has done. And we're no different as we read God's word, we can see that he is faithful. And as I look upon your faces this morning, I know that you have testimonies of how faithful God has been in your life. And you've probably been through trials. You've probably been through such turmoil. Yet God has brought you through because he is faithful. I often think if I didn't have God, what would my life be like? And to be able to go through this life without him would probably be too much to bear. And here we have Solomon pleading with his son to put his trust in God. What do we have our trust in this morning? Is it money, people, family, homes, birthrights, titles, jobs? Or do you put your trust in the Lord Jesus this morning? Put your trust in him. We need to be childlike in our faith with him. If any of you have got children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews, um, if you've ever crossed the road and you've grabbed their hand and they will just skip across the road, won't they? Unaware of any dangers. Why? It's because they've completely put their trust in you. They put their trust, and when my children do it, completely put their trust in their daddy. And likewise this morning, I urge you, that, beloved, Put your hand in the hand of your father and trust him. You see, my children, when they cross the road, have no clue of the dangers around them. Absolutely unaware. And likewise, I don't know all the dangers that I'm going to face. But I trust that I have a God who sees all things, knows all things. And by him, all things consist and exist. So I urge you this morning, put your hands in the hands of the creator who were pierced for you. And to trust him. Because he is faithful. To lean not on our own understanding. Trusting God with all our heart means we decide 
not to rely on our own understanding, but to trust in God, almost to rely on broken crutches. If you've got a broken crutch, you can't move very fast or very far. Self-sufficiency and self-dependency has been the ruin of mankind, trying to go it our own way. It started from Genesis 3. We looked at that previously. In all our ways, we are to acknowledge him in everything we do. That means even in the mundane, at work, at school, wherever we are, we're to acknowledge God. Often uh, I've got uh, meetings I have to go to once a month. It's like a, a, like a board meeting. And sometimes I have to discuss some difficult things that I know is going to upset them. But I commit it to God. They don't know that. But I committed to God that God would help me and he'd give me the skills to be able to do what I need to do. God wants to be even in the mundane. Did God not walk with Adam in the garden? Your creator wants to walk with you in your day-to-day walk. We need to rely on him and always acknowledge him. Now, I remember um, a couple of, um, about a month or so ago, Mum actually probably doesn't know this story, um, but we were in the garden. Dad had hired a 1.6 tonne excavator, um, but we'd got the wrong uh, bucket, so we couldn't actually get all the uh, bushes and the trees out. Uh, But before we started, because we'd never used this bit of equipment, we commended it to the Lord and we prayed that the Lord would give us skills and that we'd done safely and efficiently. Um, but as we couldn't use the excavator for a large proportion of it because of the nature of the bushes and the wrong bucket, Dad got out the chainsaw and started cutting and it bounced. And Dad flicked his head back and he missed his head. Now, I'm not saying if we hadn't commended it to the Lord, he would have had no head. I am just saying that we are to commend all things to the Lord, even in the garden. Me and Dad didn't know what we were going to do. We'd never use this piece of equipment, so we commended it to God, and God is faithful. Likewise, um, I haven't asked permission for this, but um, my mother's, um, there's a few people in her work that's uh, uh, left, and one was about to die. So Mum wrote the gospel in a letter, and she prayed about it, and she felt called to write it. And she followed God's commands and she wrote it. And she got word that after this woman had received this letter, she read this letter a few days, she died. But because my mum was obedient in writing the letter, the gospel went out to this person before they died. We're to commend our ways to the Lord. He can see all things. And he will direct our paths. We'll acknowledge him in everything. Absolutely everything, even the mundane. One of the most frequently asked questions, how can I know the will of God? How can I know the will of God? Well, Proverbs helps us, beloved. Proverbs helps us. We decide to put our trust in the Lord. Decide to put your trust in him. Not follow your own way, not make your own plans. Sometimes I go for an issue and I tell God how to solve it. I've, in my head, I already know how to solve it. Lord, if you touch him and you do that, then you know, this will be a lot better for me. No. Decide to put your trust in the Lord, in his ways. Decide to not trust your own understanding. 
How many times have we had a problem and we've given it to God and two minutes later we've taken it back and we're dwelling on it again? I do it all the time. Give it to God. Decide not to put a trust in our own understanding but give it to the one who can see all things and the one who knows all things. Give attention and priority to God's word. Decide to acknowledge and honour God in everything that we do. Make decisions based on godly principles, prayer and guidance by the power of the Holy Spirit and always checking our motives, always checking why we're doing it and forget not the Almighty. When we do these things, we can trust that God will direct our path, will direct our path either through his word or the leading of the Holy Spirit or through godly counsel of, his bro- of our brothers and sisters, he will direct our path because he is faithful. And we're not to be wise in our own eyes, not to lean on our own understanding, our own wisdom, our own intellect. We can sometimes get to a point of our, in our lives where we think our theology is so on point that we know it all. We're not to be wise in our own eyes. If you feel like you've reached that point, then remember thy creator. Remember your own sin. To bring our own pride and our own arrogance before the Almighty. I would even encourage you to read Job. In Job, there's a point in one of the later parts of the chapters where God speaks. And he reveals his wisdom in relation to ours and how insignificant our wisdom is in relation to his. To the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear God and depart from evil. When we do fear God, we will flee from evil. We will run from evil. It means we won't get caught up in this world's issues and problems. And you'll be saved from some of the world's issues and problems because you haven't gone off in the wrong group or been involved in the wrong situation. And it will be health to your flesh. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It should be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It will sustain us because our identity and our life focus is on the eternal, not the temporal. Beloved, we are pilgrims. We're just passing through. Our focus needs to be on the eternal. This whole world system is designed to draw our focus away from him. The media or, or social media or uh, so much of this world's attention is to draw your focus away from the Almighty. We need to have racehorse mentality. Have you ever seen the racehorses when they're all lined up? They've got little blinkers, they can't see to the left or the right. All they care about is getting to that finish line. That's what we need to be like. We need racehorse mentality. Focus on the prize Focus on the Lord Jesus. Share the blessings. Honour the Lord with thy sustenance and with the fruits of all thine increase, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy bars be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. 
The third condition we must meet is when we go through a time of blessing. And believers, sometimes we do go through times of blessings, whether that be financial gain or whether that be time. You might land up in an opportunity where you're given more time to be able to um, focus on the Lord. When we, come, when we go through these stages, we need to give God our first fruits. In the Old Testament, the Jews bought the firstlings of their flocks, Exodus 13, 1-2, and the firstfruits of their fields, Leviticus 23, 9-14. In this way, they acknowledged God's goodness and sovereignty and provision. The New Testament parallels this in Matthew 6, verse 33. Now, of course, our tithes aren't payment for his blessings. Rather, they are evidence of faith and obedience. They are not payment. The Lord has provided anyway. Everything you have of your material possessions is from the Lord anyway. (coughs) He is Jehovah Jireh, is he not? The Lord who provides. He not only provided a way for salvation, he provides for every material blessing you have. He provides for your health, if you have good health. He also provides the very air you breathe this morning. Whether you acknowledge him or not as Lord. He is still providing the very air you breathe. And he still stands at the door, knocking, wanting you to accept him. Honour the Lord with the substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and the presses shall burst out with new wine. Our resources, our money and time is meant to be used for godly purposes. In Matthew 6, it says, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So a challenge. Where is your heart this morning? Where is your heart? Now, I'm going to openly say this is a rejection of the prosperity gospel. We do not give our time of financial aid because we want what we've put in back with interest. What we have is from the Lord anyway. What we want to do is help and facilitate the work of the Almighty. First fruits. Now, if you you know uh, your scripture, you'll know that the Feast of First Fruits follows Passover. Now, the Lord... Jesus died on Passover and was risen up on first fruits. He is the first fruits, bringing many sons to glory. First fruits was also a time when they, where the Jewish people would bring the best of their offerings. And likewise, in Christ, Jesus has become our Passover. He saved us and redeemed us. So, with first fruits as a challenge, am I bringing the best of the first fruits to God? Have I brought the best? of the first fruits to God this week? Or have I given him the chaff? Have we, this week, been given God the best of our first fruits or the chaff this week? The Lord gave everything for you and I. He gave his all. Render to God what belongs to God. great subject next submit to God's chastening my son despise not the chastening of the Lord neither be weary of his correction 
For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the Father, the Son, in whom he delighteth. Our fourth, fourth responsibility is submit to God's chastening. It is part of God's plan to mature us, to make us holy. To make us mature in our faith so we can contend with this world. God chastens us not as a judge, but as a father disciplines a child in love. He chastens us to bring, make us holy and to bring us to maturity. In Hebrews 12.10 it says, For that they verily for a time chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now no matter how much it hurts, beloved, it will not harm us because God chastens us in love. And we will go for a time of chastening because we all need to mature. We all need to bring our members into submission. We will all go through times of chastening. The word uh, chastening is 4561 in the Strongs, if you're taking notes, it's Masur. It means signifies correction, discipline and instruction. Christians will endure chastening. Why? Well, chastening is there to expose a sin or evil not previously seen. To show the nature of a problem. To discourage the previous embrace of sin or evil. Or guiding to reject habitual sin or willful sin. The Lord's discipline is like that of a father to a son. A believer once said, How gentle is the punishment I feel, how heavy those I deserve. Let me say that again. How gentle is the punishment I feel, how heavy those I deserve. Now the, the chastening that we get from the Lord God is nowhere near the judgment that we duly deserve. Is nowhere near. He took it all for me on the cross. And he took it all for you on the cross. So how gentle is the punishment I feel, how heavy those we duly deserve. For whom the Lord loves, he correct us. It's because he loves us. It's because I love my children, I will correct them. It's because... I love them, I will consistently correct them in a way. Sometimes that takes a lot of effort. But I will consistently correct them because I love them. And likewise, God loves you and I this morning. And it's because he loves us that we will go through times of chastening. But beloved, when we go through times of chastening, remember that is a sign of sonship. That is because you are a daughter and son of the Most High God. And finally, receiving the blessings. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise in silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her ways are peace. 
She is the tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. If, they, uh, if we trust and obey God, our Father, he will direct our path, and there will be times of blessings. There will be times of blessings. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Happy is the man. You can almost uh, imagine Solomon when he says, forget not, yearning that his son would find wisdom. Because, beloved, we will need wisdom in times to come. When persecution increases, we will need wisdom. And it's also a fear for us and for, for our children that they would find wisdom. Because, beloved, wisdom is worth more anything than this world can offer. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is the very first principle of wisdom, is to fear God. It says her proceeds are better than profits of silver, and nothing can compare with her. There is nothing, beloved, that this world can offer you that is worth more than wisdom. Why? Why? Will wisdom make you rich? Will it make you more popular? Make you more prosperous, make you streetwise. What will wisdom do? Well, let me rephrase that. Whom is wisdom pointing to? Can wisdom, uh, this world will offer you riches, diamonds, jewels. Yet in Matthew 16, verse 26, it says, For what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and he lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glorious Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Why is wisdom so important? Because wisdom points to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wisdom puts us at the foot of the cross. Wisdom points us to him. In Proverbs 1.20, uh, we haven't got time to go there, but in Proverbs 1, it speaks of lady wisdom. And Lady Wisdom is crying out in the streets, Ranan, to cry out. She crieth in the chief place and the concourse and the opening of the gates in the city. She uttered a word saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye live in simplicity? And the scorners delight in the scorn and the fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make my, no my words known unto you. But, and then in verse 33, But whosoever hearketh unto me shall dwell in safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Wisdom is crying out. She's saying, Turn at my reproof. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words to you. She's crying out. Why is wisdom crying out and who is she pointing to? Scripture tells us that Jesus is wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1 it says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Colossians 2.3 says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus lived wisdom as described in Proverbs. Even a young Jesus um, was amazed everybody at his teaching in Luke 2.52. 
Jesus gives wisdom as described in, in Proverbs, in 1 Corinthians 2, 6-8. Jesus promises to give wisdom to those who receive his words, in Luke 21, 15. The gift is promised to the ecclesia, to the church, in Ephesians 1, 17. It is a gift available to all those who earnestly seek after it, in James 1, 5. I urge you to look up those scriptures if you're taking notes. Wisdom is crying out, crying out, pointing to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wisdom is crying out, crying and pointing this world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus stands at the door, waiting wanting. Will you let him in? Will you let the Lord Jesus in? Wisdom said to be crying out in certain areas. It says in the withouts, which is shoots, uh, which is 2351 in the strongs. It means to the outside, to the fields, to the outer rims. It said wisdom cries in the streets, the chief places, the government and the workplaces, the concourses, the city squares. The gates and the cities. Wisdom is crying out and pointing to the Lord Jesus. Do we not have the Great Commission, beloved, to point people to the Lord Jesus? To cry in all these places. Wisdom, it says, even cries out in the gates. You'll remember that in the Old Testament, some of the uh, business was often concluded at the gates. You might even remember the story of Ruth. When Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. And the business was concluded at the gate. Likewise, we have a kingsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And wisdom points to our kingsman redeemer at the gates, at the cities, at the concourse, at the chief place, the streets, and everywhere. And beloved, within the Great Commission, we are instructed to likewise point people to Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That is your role this morning, to point people to Lord Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is worth more than gold, Silver, diamonds, anything this world can offer you. Anything. He is worth everything. So to close, summary. We need to learn God's truth. We need to obey God's will. We need to share the blessing, share the first fruits when God has blessed us. We need to submit to God's chastening, no matter how difficult sometimes it feels. And we need to receive the blessing. There's going to be trying days, beloved. And we need to know God's guidance. And we need to commend our ways to the Lord. So trust in the Lord, Bridge Lane. With all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Let's close in prayer.
Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you have promised that you will direct our paths, Lord, and we thank you for the promises found in the word of God, that we can lean into them, Lord, in times of trouble or times that we need direction. And we thank you, Lord, that even though sometimes we do not see where we need to go, you do. Lord, you can see all things outside time and space. And that, Father, you want to uh, walk this life with us. For it says in Scripture, Lord, many are thoughts towards us. They are more than the grains of sand. Lord, who are we, Lord, that you are mindful of us. But, Lord, we do give thanks that you will always guide us and that you will direct us. And may this be our prayer, Lord, that you will direct Bridge Lane and you will direct us in the path that you wish us to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.